0: You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues facing women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. Whose world is this? It's Frida's, Frida's world. world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clatch it like you love church music, but you f- with future. That's clatch It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. You know, I'm going to use a different catchphrase. I'm going to have to think of one because as it stands, I think most people have no idea that today is Wednesday. (laughs) I barely remember that it's Wednesday. And you know, when we were in the working world, Happy Hump Day meant so much because it was a reminder that we were halfway through the work week and that the weekend fun was around the corner. Now I feel like every day just kind of spins into the next, So... I'm going to have to find another catchphrase, <laughs> but either way, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys are keeping yourself safe and I hope that you guys more importantly are keeping yourselves sane. I know sanity is the biggest theme at this point because, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing that we're going through right now is normal. And, you know, I talk to my friends, I talk to my son, and we're all going crazy. We're all going crazy in this house. And in order to keep from going crazy, we need to be able to find some sort of, sort of happy medium, you know, in the midst of this pandemic. I'm still trying to figure out what Minds is. Um, I was watching Grey's Anatomy, you know, like f- four episodes a day, three episodes a day. And I realized that as much as I love Grey's Anatomy, it is not the most uplifting show. <laughs> There's a lot of death that happens in Grey- Grey's Anatomy. A lot of, you know, medical procedures gone wrong. And I actually felt like it was starting to affect me. So I had to quickly switch pace and go to the Mindy Project. I am in love with, um. I can't remember her, her real name. Is her real name actually Mindy Kaling? Either way, I love the Mindy Project. So, you know, it makes me laugh. It makes me chuckle. So I had to switch over to to another show because Grey's Anatomy was depressing me at some point. Um, but whatever it is that you need to do, whether it's write, whether it's read, whether it's, you know, play a game. I ended up joining Words with Friends again this week. I haven't played that in so long, but I felt like I needed some sort of interaction with others. <laughs> so that's kind of what I've had to do, you know, lately to be able to to feel, you know, I don't know, somewhat normal, if that even makes sense anymore. But either way, today we have a really, really informative show. We're going to be talking about domestic violence during this pandemic, during this coronavirus. And we have a really great guest by the name of Alethea Best, who is a licensed social worker. And she's going to talk to us about her experience with domestic violence and also We know what domestic violence is, what it's looking like during this pandemic, and what are some resources, what are some ways that those of us who might find ourselves in these dire situations, what we can do to protect ourselves. So you want to make sure that you keep it locked to tune in and hear you know all of the important information that Alethea has to share with us. But before we get into the meat of the show, you know every week I share my highlight of the week. And so this week my highlight is twofold one I'm really grateful for one of my really close friends both of her parents were in the hospital with COVID-19 and I'm happy to report that they both have been released from the hospital they are home now continuing recovery but no longer in the hospital so that is that is a praise report right there and also my aunt and uncle who had contracted COVID they seem to be doing really well right now the last I spoke to them they are they are seem to be doing well. They haven't had anything um, crazy that would have, you know, brought them to the hospital. So they're recovering at home. So I'm really, really grateful for that. I think that, you know, so many times we are focused on the deaths and how many people don't make it that we really don't take the time to focus on those who do make it, who who do come home, who do survive and who do overcome uh, this coronavirus. So that's my highlight of the week. It really made me happy just to hear that you know they were doing so well so that is my highlight of the week and with that being said we are on to the meat of the show all right, everyone. I'm here with my very special guest, Alethea Best. Alethea, please say hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so I just wanted to take this time and thank you for coming on to the Frida's World platform and really um, lending your expertise with us today on this very, very important and critical topic of domestic violence during the time of COVID-19. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And so, Alethea, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. So
1: I am a social worker. I'm a licensed social worker, and I currently work for an agency, Day One, that provides uh, counseling, legal, and other services to young people who are facing intimate partner violence um, ages 12 to 24. And currently, I work in the schools providing prevention Um work to students, so we provide counseling, we provide group counseling, we provide workshops in classrooms, we talk to teachers, we talk to parents. And then we also have a summer program where young people learn what it is that we do in our daily so that they can, and when they get back to school, they can refer young people who may be experiencing intimate partner violence to us and um, have a community within the school where they know that we are a resource if they're experiencing any kind of abuse um, in their relationships, or if they're having a healthy relationship, how hard to maintain it to be healthy.
0: Okay, cool. So it seems like you have a lot of experience in this uh, world of domestic violence. Yes, I do. So um, today, you know, as I stated a little earlier, the topic is going to be domestic violence, you know, during this pandemic. And, you know, as of late, we've been hearing a lot of reports in the news that there is a surge of domestic violence cases, you know, happening right now during this quarantine. And a lot of people are wondering, you know, One, what is, what is causing this, this surge? And two, how are people, you know, able to receive resources and able to, um, you know, receive assistance in a critical time like this? So I just wanted to kind of, you know, have this discussion because I'm sure that there may be people who are tuning in who might be going through a domestic violence situation right now or they might know somebody um, who is going through something. And, you know, it's really difficult times. But at the end of the day, we're hearing that there's assistance and that there's resources, but nobody really knows what that actually means. So if you could just shed some light as to one, really what domestic violence, you know, truly is, what are the many forms, and then maybe we can get into a discussion as to what's happening right now during this pandemic.
1: Okay, great. So Uh, domestic violence or intimate partner violence is any kind of interpersonal violence between partners and it doesn't necessarily have to be marriage. It could be boyfriend, girlfriend, it can be, um, girlfriend girlfriend it could be a uh, parent child it's any kind of violence against um, someone you may be in a space or consider yourself to be in a relationship in and there's a few forms of abuse um, that a lot of people are aware of and some that you may not be so the first one that everyone is aware of is physical abuse um, I always get it whenever I do workshops with young people it is scratching it is the punching it's the biting it's strangling it's kicking um, it's pushing it's threats to to Harm you. It can be using a weapon that's in the home against you or as a threat against you. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be any kind of physical contact without your permission. And it could be forcing you to do things that you don't want to do, like a sexual act or um, grabbing your face or making you look at them, any kind of like physical violence. And it doesn't necessarily have to leave a mark or bruise in order for it to be physical. Okay. And so um, the next one, which is a lot of uh, survivors will tell you this one is a little hard to prove, but it does exist, which is the emotional verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's definitely calling you names and putting you down. It can be yelling or screaming at you. It can definitely be um, embarrassing you in public or in front of friends and family. Um, It can be preventing you from talking to your friends and family. It can also be like a threat of harm to themselves, saying like, "I'm gonna kill myself if you leave, or if you take the kids, or if you're not with me." I don't know what I'm gonna do. So those kind of things that attach themselves to your emotions and make you that you're less than if you're no, if you're not with them, that's definitely emotional abuse, and it's one of the hard ones that um a few people feel like um it's it's harder to prove because what it does unto you like your self esteem and to your sense of self.
0: And I have to imagine that it has to be even more trying at this time, because you mentioned, you know, isolating uh the victim from their family members and friends. And right now we are in total isolation in a sense. And so, you know, it's yeah. So I find that, you know, I guess that is probably what's contributing, you know, to even more. To the search. Yeah, exactly
1: completed is definitely adding to the surge of violence and then you have um sexual abuse which is definitely rape Mm -hmm. um it can happen to anyone of all genders um it can occur between opposite or same sex um it can be forcing you to have sex um with your partner or having sex with other people um it can be forcing you right now a lot of people are making fun of like oh i'm gonna create an OnlyFans page but it can actually be somebody forcing you to create an OnlyFans page and making you do like sexual or lewd acts on camera to get money oh, wow. um so those are yeah. so those are some of the things that um those are some of the things it can be an assault it can be anything but those are that's sexual abuse and that's how that can come through and i'm sure you know a lot of people are like oh everybody's gonna come out pregnant from this if you're mm-hmm. in a relationship but some of that may actually be forced and it may it's it's not it's not funny. Yeah. Um, so ask them if they actually be forced pregnancy, um, and which is another hard time during if you're facing incident partner violence or domestic violence, because the, the partner or the perpetrator knows that they can abuse you and you're going to do your best to protect that baby at all costs and not
0: fight back. So that's yeah. it's a hard time. Oh, my gosh. And I know that financial abuse tends to be one that uh people, you know, overlook when it comes yeah. to domestic violence. But in this time of COVID-19, how would you say financial abuse would play out? Or is this is this one of, you know, I guess the uh the categories that's not so rampant at this time?
1: Well, if you think about it, um, so financial abuse can look like stealing your stimulus if you're getting a stimulus, it can be stealing oh. the Um, it can be stealing your identity or running up your credit cards Mm -hmm. in this moment especially if people are desperate for cash so like stealing your credit card information and buying whatever they want during this time Mm -hmm. it can also be if you still are working stealing your check and saying that they need it for like groceries and using it for gambling or other um, resources it could also be denying you or like withholding money for like groceries so in in a Again, um, withholding money so that you can't get the resources during this time. So financial abuse can definitely show up. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about job loss, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely um, things that are happening in this time where um, rationing is happening. And so not making sure that you don't get the resources that you need during this time can definitely be one of the ways that a perpetrator can... um, Used financial abuse against you,
0: yeah. And and again, I can definitely see how that's possible because you're in the home with the individual, with the you know, with the perpetrator if you're the victim. And like you said, the stimulus check, you know, unemployment things like that, unemployment benefits, um, especially and knowing that this- mm-hmm.
1: deposit comes, yeah. So like I know you got your deposit today. Give me the money, you yeah. know, or I know the stimulus is coming you know, you better give me that money when it comes. That and, those kind of things.
0: And there's nowhere to run. So the pressure no, is even it is isn't. even more intense.
1: Yeah, it it's amounts. It it's it's super hard and it you know like it's one of the things that i'm not surprised is happening in this time especially with isolation the fact that intimate partner violence and domestic violence rates are skyrocketing because Mm -hmm. this is unfortunately a high time that someone could use their power and control over you because they know that you
0: don't have anywhere to go okay now with respect to law enforcement you know I used to be a prosecutor in domestic violence bureau, you know, um, either a neighbor or the victim themselves calls nine one one. They say it's a domestic violence, uh, situation and the police, you know, automatically come and they respond and they normally, you know, do a thorough investigation in the home. They speak to different people within the house. They speak to neighbors and they try to really assess what's going on. And then they decide whether or not to make an arrest during this time with the pandemic that's, that's going on. And then there's a strain on the New York City Police Department in general, if somebody calls 911 for a domestic violence dispute, what is happening right now?
1: My understanding is that they're still attending those calls, that okay. they're still making arrests, and that you still are being... you. More than likely, you will be released, unfortunately. Mm. But more than likely, you'll get like kind of summons to show up for court if you are arrested. Um, and this police officers and precincts still have the ability to provide orders of protections during this time okay. because you can't. An order of protection. You're just not able to go to the court and get like a full or stay away order, but mm-hmm. they still are able to provide an order of protection, saying that the perpetrator can't um, abuse you or any point in time or have any kind of like um, can't do any kind of like malice or anything towards you in the home, especially if they receive like to show up a summons or things of that nature. So I still highly recommend still calling 911. I know there's a super strain on the law enforcement and people are going to be hesitant to call because of COVID, but I highly recommend it because the more documentation that you have, that you are experiencing domestic violence, the better it is for you when you do, when courts do finally open up and you do want those restraining orders or you do want those stay away orders that you have proof that you did try to um have the perpetrator at least come out the home or protect yourself and your children in any way possible. So as long as things are like on the record or on the books, it's better for the survivor because it's a way of sh- demonstrating that you are trying to seek help. And this is something that
0: has been ongoing. Okay. So I'm really happy that you touched on the protective order part. So I just kind of want to be clear. So during this time, if somebody calls 911 um, against their husband or wife or, you know, their, their intimate partner and the police arrive, they make an arrest and because of the situation right now, the perpetrator gets released. So, they're not, uh, that perpetrator is not receiving a full stay away order to be no. placed somewhere else. They are going back in the home. No, more than,
1: likely, yeah, more than likely they are um, returning back to the home, which is unfortunate. Um, but more than likely, the stay the order of protection will have language of um, no malice or no harm to be done to the survivor. Um, and that's the language that's usually used in the order of protection from the police. Like, oh, wow. it's not a full stay away. Yeah, it's usually like you can't you know, like usually stay away orders like you have to be fifty feet or hundred feet mm-hmm. or in the language. Their language is is more like in terms of um you can't like you can't use a weapon or you can't um taunt the person or you can't cause harm or um Malicious towards the person. It's th- it's more so that kind of language yeah. versus a full stay away order. Where you have to be completely away from that person. you can't talk or text or
0: communicate with that person. Period. So it's a little bit different. And, but they still are able to provide protections in that time. And but that sounds so scary to me, right? You know, you're the victim. You call nine one one for this perpetrator who's abusing you, only to have that person come right back in the house and potentially, you know, abuse you or even worse, kill you.
1: Yeah. And so um, the homicide rates um, due to the domestic violence, the intimate partner violence is increasing across across the states. It's not just New York City. It's across the states that there is an increase in violence and there's an increase in homicides due to um, domestic violence and intimate partner violence. This is a super scary time. Um, you know, like as a person working in the field, you would say, you know, go to a shelter, call 911 as much as you need to um, go to the courts and get a stay away order. And there's so many resources out there, but because we are virtual or we rit- are doing things over the telephone and the courts aren't open or as open or as available, it's super hard to get clients the resources that they need during this time. So yes, it's a super scary time. And unfortunately, um, as this goes on, the rates will continue to climb and, you know, we'll see more, Unfortunately, homicides and things of that nature because of intimate partner violence and domestic violence.
0: Okay. Wow. (laughs) I'm trying to wrap my head around this and I'm just like, it's so hard. It's so hard to fathom. So, now if you are a victim, if you find yourself being a victim in a situation like this, um, and you do call 911 because it's getting out of control, but the individual now comes back to the house, what What advice can you give or what kind of tactics can you share for that victim who is essentially back in the house with their with the perpetrator? You know, how can they survive this situation in the same home as their abuser?
1: Um, What I would say to that is um, really create a safety plan for themselves. Um, Think about ways they can keep themselves safe, um, especially keeping their cell phone around them. Um, If there's somebody that is aware of the situation, knowing that they can call that person and know that person can't come, but they can at- easily cause a distraction. If they have the partner's phone number, calling the partner's phone or um, dispatching 911 to the home. If the uh, per- per- I'm sorry, if the survivor is not able to do so. Um, um, having a neighbor, like slipping a note to a neighbor, just saying, you know, keeping them informed and a neighbor can come and knock on the door. If, um, you know, if they're able to just to cause a distraction, those are the things that could be done. Um, But unfortunately in this time, it's like, it's super hard to have those resources readily available, but there are things that they can do. So like having a safety plan, making sure like they have all their documents and things of that nature so that if they do decide to go to a shelter, they have everything packed up and packed away that they need. Um, And making sure like if the person has access to passwords, maybe changing passwords daily, um, changing banking information. Um, post offices are still open. So instead of having regular mail come to the home, create a P.O. box and going outside to get the old mail um, or saying that they need to get a package just to create space mm-hmm. um, in those situations and those scenarios. Um, if there's kids involved, making sure like you, know, you have all their documents and things like you may need in a safe place in the home. Um, and also finding spaces in the home where you can um, keep weapons away from the dictator. So there's knives in the home. Maybe if you have five, maybe hiding three or two and just saying, oh, maybe somebody threw it in the garbage or I threw it away by accident. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not sure, misplaced it. Um, and just making sure they're keeping themselves safe that way. So then, you know, if there's no weapons in the home that could be used against them, just hiding them or putting them in places that are not easily accessible to the person who is, um, uh, committing harm.
0: Okay. I think those are all good. Um, you know, good advice because I, again, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around, you know, uh, a victim who is essentially trapped in the home, with their um, with their abuser now can you shed a little bit of light as to what is going on to the you know inside the New York City shelter system We're, I haven't really seen too much about what's going on there but I'm um, I some people might feel like that might be their last resort um, you know at this point depending on how the situation is playing out in their house so you know, if you know, what, what's currently going on in the shelter system at this moment?
1: My um, understanding that there are shelter beds, especially uh, on the shelters that are available and open, but again, the risk of going to a shelter and possibly um, getting COVID is high on people's minds. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, survivors would rather stay in their homes or it's no, it's safe yeah. um, away from COVID and not COVID-free than going into the shelter. Which is again the reason why we're seeing such a high rate of, uh, yeah. of cases. But there are beds available. If you know the decision were to come down to go to a DV shelter, DV shelters are open. They are taking, um, refer- they are taking referrals. People are still doing their work. They're still getting um, calls to hotlines and things of that nature. They're still being referred to shelters if that is what's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're they're you know, but again. During this time, if the perpetrator or the person causing harm is in the home, how do you get to the shelter? Usually, um, what happens is that they try to pick a time frame where they know that the perpetrator or person causing harm won't be home. But if the person lost their job or if they're not out of the home as regularly, it's going to be harder to kind of like leave when that person. Yeah, is. that's true. Um, and during a time where violence is happening in the home, when, when a survivor decides to leave, that's when high violence um, comes into play. So, as, unfortunately, as a survivor, you're thinking about surviving in the moment. And yeah. for survival, you'd rather stay than to leave and then go to the unknown, which is COVID or resources or how do I get X, Y, and Z for myself? Or, and if I have children, how do I do? Get XYZ for my kids.
0: No, I think you make a really great point there because I think you know out, even outside of COVID, you know, people tend to think that it's just so easy to get into the shelter system and that you know if right. so, if you're being abused, why don't you just go to a shelter? So even outside of COVID, it's not necessarily the most pleasant place to be. It's not the easiest process, but I can totally understand what you're saying now. You know, it's. It's, it's difficult to get to the shelter. And even when you do get there, you yeah. may get sick.
1: Right. And so, again, if you're home with someone who's causing harm or, you know, a perpetrator who's causing violence to you, the one thing that you, in this time too, and I didn't get to mention it, is like your computer use or your digital use. If they do see you trying to like find resources to escape again you know you risk more violence yeah so how do yeah. i get the information how do i call without this person knowing if we're in the space all day long together you know like how do i call and say i'm x y and d and i need help and i want to come to a shelter without that person overhearing? yeah you know, people are people are living in like spaces where there is space you know like like there's a one bedroom or two bedrooms some people don't live like that. Some people live in rooms together, some people live in studios together. So, you know, it's gonna be super hard to try to get to those resources or try to call or research where I can go if the person is monitoring my um devices.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a very fair point and it's a very good point that's being made right now. That, you know, this is unfortunately we're in hard times and it wasn't easy, you know, before COVID for victims of domestic violence to leave, you know, the, the, the situation. Yeah. Um, now it's even, it's, it's even more, the system's more, you know, it's ex- more exacerbating in a sense. This, this idea that I can, you know, find safety and I can find, find shelter elsewhere. Um, so you had mentioned, um, that hotlines not too long ago. Are there any hotlines yeah. that these individuals can, you know, even if maybe they can't call it, but they can send a quick text to a friend to call the hotline for them and they could hope maybe delete the text. You know, if there's a a slick way in a sense of of getting assistance that does not include 911.
1: Yes, so uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is open and it's 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E or 7233. Um, And they have over 200 languages of where they can call and get resources um, for like anything that's happening. I would highly recommend doing a national hotline over doing something local because local hotlines may be overloaded or may not have the staff Um. um, to support hotlines. Right. So I would highly recommend calling anything national that, you know, would have lesser wait times than calling something in New York City specific. So calling something national, you may get a better response of, like, where you can go and what you can do in terms of um, assistance versus, like, the New York City domestic violence hotline where you may have longer wait times than normal because um, because of staffing or because of um, lack of resources.
0: Okay. That's a really great point. Okay. Yeah. So anything
1: local, like, related to New York City, like, I would say you could call. Yes, you should try to call. Um, And that number is 1-800-621-HOPE or 1-800-621-4673. You can call there for assistance. That's New York specific. But I would highly recommend calling the national number to get more assistance um, if this one is overloaded. Um, They also have online chats and resources that you can do. I know New York City Well is doing a really good job of like having... Um, and that's Like They are having um, great resources online so that people of New York City can find where they can go and what they can do. If they need um, pantry service, if they need mental health services, if they need domestic violence services, they can go there and find resources for them, and that also is New York City-specific. But again, I would highly recommend doing something a little bit more national.
0: Okay. I think this information is you know, was very, very, very helpful. I mean, there's a couple of things that I learned, um, just, you know, listening to you explain, you know, what's going on right now. I, I I don't think I would have ever thought about national numbers over local numbers, but I think you make a really great point. Um, you know, the systems are overloaded right now in New York city. Um, so I think that makes it. Yeah.
1: Everything Uh city, like, you know, people trying to get unemployment, people trying to get, um, services for themselves people trying to find out where pantries are people trying to find resources for young people. students are still trying to get devices so that they can do homework and school like new york city is super overloaded and you know with the surge of domestic violence calls coming in i know hotlines are probably overloaded staff you know there's probably been staff shortages or lack of like ways to get people on the actual hotlines so definitely national numbers would probably be the best way to go right now if you're trying to like find specific resources um, for yourself. But definitely try both. Um, Again, one 800 79 safe or 7233 or 1-800-621-HOPE. Those are the two numbers that um, you can call if you're in New York City to try to get resources um, right now.
0: Okay. And I think just to um, touch on the, I guess the assistance and the outreach of, you know, friends and family. Like if we, if we haven't heard from our loved one or from our friends in a little while, I think, you know, to encourage people to, to take this time and reach out <laughs> to friends and family, right? Yeah. I, Cause I could imagine that if, you know, if I was a victim of domestic violence, but yet, you know, every 15 minutes or every hour I had somebody calling just to check in that that might be able to, Hopefully alleviate, you know, some of the pressure or some of the stress that's going on in the home because we're in a pandemic. So it's it's it doesn't seem suspicious if people were calling to check in.
1: Right. So, you know, again, that can be part of um, a survivor's safety plan of who they will want to call on at certain times Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, intimate partner violence, domestic violence is a pattern. And usually, per- people who cause harm have patterns of like when they like to abuse, how they like to abuse, um, mm. specific, probably specific. specific days certain habits that go on and you know your your rate of survival is on that so you know what's going to happen you know what day it is you know what the person is going to try to do so if you can have people call you at certain times where you feel like you may experience um some kind of harm that is super helpful facetime if you have the capability to do so so the person can see who you're talking to because that's a, a thing too. like who you talking to, let me see, let me talk to them and say, hey, to make sure that you're not like cheating in a sense. Mm -hmm. But if somebody that they're like familiar with, that they know, not somebody new, I wouldn't recommend like a new friend or somebody like you met at work, somebody that they're aware of and that they know that you talk to regularly, that that all seems suspicious. So your best friend or somebody that may have come to a function, or if it's a new relationship, somebody that you may have mentioned over time. Another thing that you can do if it is a new relationship, constantly talk about the people that you talk to daily. Oh, so-and-so called me today just to check to see, you know, remember so-and-so? Oh, you may not have met them, but they're so-and-so. So -hmm. So that way continuously have this person in mind and that when you do say the name it's like oh remember I told you the other day that you know this is my friend from childhood or this is my mom's girlfriend or this is my pastor or whoever it is that you continuously talk about or talk up so that it doesn't sound strange when they're on calling because that's also a hit right like if you're talking to your friend from sixth grade and they never called you before Mm -hmm. until now that's Like like, you know, that's like a red flag. Yeah. But if it's like, you know, your mom or somebody that you have a really good relationship, or your best friend, or your cousin, or your sisters, or whoever you want to be. And you want to know that this is happening, that they can call and, and be a resource for you, because that's what's super important is making sure that you stay safe and that whatever is in your safety plan is going to keep you safe as well. So keeping those documents, maybe keeping a list of people that you will want to call and what times they're planning to call. And making sure that they're on board to call you in those times too, like, you know, survivors in this time don't want to be like overburdening people because they know that they're dealing with stress and they're working from home or they lost their job, but making sure that you have people in your corner that regardless of what is happening for them, that they're able to talk to you for 10 or 15 minutes that you may need in order for, for you to stay safe.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super, super Uh, important.
1: yeah, I saw a lot of things happening like online where people are like, oh, if you're experiencing harm, you could use this coded language with me. And unfortunately, perpetrators and people who cause harm are hip to coded language. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't suggest coding language. But maybe if you say something like, oh, what are you planning to cook? Or, you know, what are you planning to eat today? And you can talk about like, you know, you can talk that in Um or just saying like, you know, everything's fine today. Or if you're saying that everything's fine, let the person know that it's not fine. Mm-hmm. Or if you're saying like, oh, you know, sun is out, you know, or if you're talking about the weather and they know you don't normally talk about the weather, they will know things are not fine. So those kind of things I would highly suggest. But like talking about things that you normally wouldn't talk about, I wouldn't recommend. So if you're not a makeup wearer, don't talk, start talking about makeup all <laughs> of a sudden. Yeah. Don't cook start talking about the meals that you're going to prepare, you mm-hmm. know? like if that's not in your I wouldn't suggest start talking about something new, like just talk about things that you will regularly talk about. And if that's something that you talk about regularly with that person, just using that line with them so they know like whether it's good or bad, what's happening at home and whether or not they need assistance.
0: No, I think that's really good advice. Um, because, you know, because of what's going on in the court system and the fact that, you know, you stated that, a lot of times these perpetrators are more than likely to be released back into the home. Um, You know, it's, it's, you know, one might say that it might not be safe to, you know, engage in activity that might send off red flags, you know, and like you said, people are trying to survive, you know, the situation. And so, you know, not maybe doing too much um, and, you know, maybe, you know, figuring out how you can survive and not, you know, not engaging in an activity that might tip off the other individual should probably be, you know. Right. Yeah. Man, it's
1: and if and if you are a survivor and you are deciding to leave, um, making sure that you have all your resources checked, making sure that if you decide that you want to go into a shelter, making sure that you have the date and the time clear that when you can come in the shelter, who your case manager is, who's going to receive you once you get there. Um, and making sure that you have everything that you need so that when you are ready to leave the home, that you never have to leave it. And, that, and that is the hard part, you know, like some people may want to inform their friends that they're going into the shelter or their family that they're going into the shelter or making the decision that today is the day that they're going to leave. And so if something were to happen, like say, for instance, I'm saying, I'm going to leave Friday, April 19th. And I tell my mom like, okay, today's the day. And then something for whatever reason, screws up, screws that up, and then my mom calls and actually to put it on speaker, and you know, all of a sudden, my mom is like, "Well, did you get to leave? Are you at the shelter?" And the person now knows that you didn't get to go, so or or that was your plan. So just making sure, like you you keep whatever details of your plan to yourself, and then when you do get into a safe space. Call whoever you need to call to make to let them know that you're safe. Because you can disclose you cannot disclose where the shelter is, but you can just say I got to where I I needed to be and I'm safe.
0: Okay. So I know you've mentioned the safety plan, you know, several times throughout this segment. And, you know, let's say an individual is not able to contact a hotline to have a social worker or a counselor work through a safety plan with them. What would you say are the essentials? So, if I have to create my own safety plan because I'm not, I am not, I don't have anyone to assist me, what are the essentials like uh, to a safety plan? What must the safety plan include if somebody is is attempting to create one themselves?
1: So safety plan, essentially, and, you know, we as regular people can do safety plans, like in a time like this, I would highly recommend it. So things that you can normally do. So if it's um, keeping your mentor, keeping your your place safe, it can be playing your favorite music, it can be um, making sure that, you know, that weapons are not um, readily accessible, you want to make sure that, You know, whoever you have on your list is reliable that you want to call when things are actually happening, um, that they have resources or they're able to call resources when you need them. You want to make sure that if you have capability on your phone to access 911, you want to make sure that you have all the documents that you could possibly leave if you decide after this that you are actually leaving. So like your birth certificate, your social security card, if you have access to that. Um, any kind of banking cards that you may have, um, any kind of um, identification. So like your passport, your driver's license or your state ID or any kind of things that you may have. If you're an immigrant, any kind of like green card paperwork or any kind of paperwork um, regarding citizenship that you may have in your possession, any kind of like EBT or um any kind of cards that you use at the supermarket and things of that nature, you want to make sure that you have that all in, in a space. So if it's a wallet that you have, making sure that that's easily accessible or that you've hit it um, in a space. I, I do recommend packing like a bag, but unfortunately like in these times, like people search through things and things of that nature, but just having clothes in the very front that you would want to take with you for at least like a good week, because you won't be able to go back. So, like, making sure, like, if the, the person causing harm is able to leave the home or is going to work and things in the nature and that's the day you decide to leave, making sure those clothes are in the very front so that it's easy to take out and pack a bag that way. Um, and letting, you know, just letting your kids know, like, that this is what you're going to do on the day of, not prior to. Because, you know, kids you Know they forget, or they're like, you know, daddy re- or mommy, we're leaving, or things of that nature. And you know, that's what do you mean? And then they try to like get the kids to provide information. So, on the day that you decide that that's where you want to go and that's what you want to do, informing the kids and then taking them on um, that way.
0: Okay, um, so
1: yeah. yeah, so those are things that we create in a, a safety plan. If there's a doctor or ER that you normally go to, making sure that you request that person or you know the name of that person. Um, If there's a social worker that you're constantly in contact with, making sure that you have that number readily accessible to you, Um, I would say anything. I know phones, cell phones have the capability of like having. um, You could create lists, Mm -hmm. so maybe in your phone, creating a folder of like people that you know. In an emergency, you can press either one or two, and their number would come up. So pre-programming your phone that way, so that if you press the number one. It'll probably go straight to 911 If you press the number two, it will go to your mom or, or programming your phone so that you can remain safe. So that if you tell somebody press five on my phone, it will automatically dial mm, okay. to who you need it to. Yeah. Okay. And if and if, if technology is something that the person is monitoring, um, I would just say changing passwords frequently as frequently as you can so saying Oh, the person like like, how come i can't use your password oh you know i got locked out and i had to change it and here it is you know just changing it as much as possible
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: so that um want to configure in their phones to keep themselves safe so the person doesn't have access to it is good for them also if you're using any kind of technology just reminding yourself to clear the browser history if you are looking up resources so that and deleting it so the person that isn't aware or using um, private mode okay. so when the person types in nothing come um, for them so they don't know what you were searching or researching beforehand okay
0: Yeah, I think all those are really great, you know, really great advice because I, I, you know, as I'm hearing safety plan, safety plan, I feel like somebody might say, well, you know, what exactly is a safety plan and, you know, how can I get one done? So I think all of those things that you stated are definitely critical for people who are, you know, in these domestic violence situations.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and for people who are not facing intimate partner violence or domestic violence a safety plan essentially looks like if I'm having a bad day I know I can play this certain song or I'll call this particular person because I know they'll make me feel better or I'll order from this particular place because I know I love their food and you know it's a good meal and I know it'll make me feel comforted so those you know those are the things that consist of a safety plan things that you know that you can readily attach yourself to in a moment where you're feeling overwhelmed or if you're feeling unsafe or you're feeling, um, down that you can readily go to and, um, make yourself feel better. So it can be taking a deep breath or watching a particular clip or hearing a particular song that will automatically put you in a mood that is, um, be able to create a better, a better space for you.
0: Okay. Again, all great advice, all essential advice. Thank you so much, Althea, for coming on and really explaining one what's really happening in these streets with domestic violence, and two, you know, how we can protect ourselves, you know, in these dark times.
1: Yeah, it's it's super hard and it's super daunting, and it's um, one of the things that's been on my mind consistently and constantly since this all happened. Um, the access to um, to harm and people causing harm because, you know, they don't have power and control. And this is a situation where nobody has power and control, but someone who is trying to exude power and control over someone else, this is super difficult because there is no way, there is really nowhere for um, somebody who is experiencing this to return. And it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status, like everybody who is in is have is being caused harm or having harm done to them, um, this is a critical moment. And unfortunately, your your resources are limited, but there are places and things that you can do to ensure your safety. And definitely still calling 911 is one of them. Calling the hotlines is one of them. Um, Ensuring that you have people that you can call or that can call on your behalf. For you um, making a plan, you can still go to DV shelters. All those things are still Accessible to you, you can still get order protections. Although courts are limited, limited in their resources, you can still call family justice centers and get assistance and help. You, there's still help out there. People are still thinking about um survivors. People are still thinking about men and women and trans and LGBTQIA identify people who are experiencing harm. We are still thinking about you. We still hold you and we still want to support you in any way possible. So, yeah, you're you're definitely on the minds of everyone around.
0: And that was definitely a positive note, because I think right now, you know, a lot of people feel like they are alone and they're frustrated and their mental health is at you know, in jeopardy because they feel so isolated. And, and, you know, I mean, we're all isolated, but they feel it even more, (laughs) I think.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, if you are experiencing it, just I don't want anybody to feel like they're alone, that there aren't any resources, that there isn't anywhere to turn or what's the point or I can't go to the ER or I shouldn't go. You can still go to all those places. You can still receive medical assistance if you need to. If you're pregnant, you can still go to your OBGYN. You can still social distance, get help. So someone can still call an Uber and you can still get in an Uber and you can still go to someplace that will keep you safe. These are all tools and mechanisms for you. I don't want anyone to feel like I'm in this um, on my own and I have to figure it out by myself because you don't. People are still working around the clock to make sure that safety is at its highest right now. So ensuring that you can keep yourself safe in any way, shape or possible, any way, shape possible, please do so. Don't hesitate. Don't think, oh, they won't take my call. Don't think I'll be at home for 20 minutes. Don't think about any of those things. Still call for
0: help. I don't think I have anything more to add to that. I think that, (laughs) I think you said it all, uh, you know, definitely honing in on that. And I I really appreciate, um, you know, those words because I feel like somebody, you know, who's hearing them will definitely feel it and they'll definitely feel touched uh, by, you know, by just the the support that, you know, you, in a sense, just by saying it, you know, um, gave out.
1: Yeah. But, you know, people are still people are still holding space for those who need them. And so any kind of resources that you will call, although it may be limited or although it may be delayed, someone's still going to be on the other end, regardless. Someone is still going to be on the other end of that resource once you call. And And that's a very known fact. Like, I feel like, You know, New York City has its trials and tribulations, but I can honestly say when it comes to people thinking about ways to help others, Mm -hmm. we are definitely number one in that. Yeah. Um, And I've seen it. I've seen people like... You know, make masks out of their own homes, provide foods out of their own homes, give canned goods, checking in on their elders, like really trying to help those who they know are most vulnerable. And men, women, children who are experiencing any kind of abuse are definitely one of our most vulnerable and people and services and agencies are definitely stepping up to make sure that no one slips through the cracks.
0: Yes. Yeah. all right elfia thank you so much for taking thank the time you. I this I think this was a very informative podcast and I definitely think that you know at least one person you know um, was able to, to absorb this information and will hopefully use it to save their life I hope so too yeah all right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Frida's World. Definitely uh, check us out on Instagram, Frida, F R E E D A S underscore world, and go to our website, www.friedasworld.com. And with that being said, I'll talk to you guys next week. Whose world is this? It's Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f- with future. That's clashing. It's Frida's world.